Angie Creer's dream come true was an apology from the Pope for the abuses that she and other Indigenous children faced in residential schools. And on Friday, it happened. Pope Francis said, For the deplorable conduct of those members of the Catholic Church, I ask for God's forgiveness, and I want to say to you with all my heart, I am very sorry. And I join my brothers, the Canadian bishops, in asking your pardon. Not everyone affected by the residential school system feels the same way about the Pope's apology. But today on The Decibel, we wanted to share a conversation with Angie Creer to understand how she feels about it. Angie is 85 years old and an elder of the Métis Nation of Alberta. She talked to Globe reporter Willow Fiddler in a hotel conference room in Rome after hearing the Pope speak. He's gentle, the way he's speaking. Yeah. You know, very gentle, and he was very kind. Yeah. And he touched me twice. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Angie traveled from her home last week in Grand Prairie, Alberta, to share her story with the Pope himself. She was one of 32 delegates representing Inuit, Métis, and First Nations at a historic week of meetings. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Well, I know we don't tell everything. It's right. too, too, we can't even say it, okay? Like, I can say what I can, but there's some are just too horrible. Yeah. It's impossible. I, I'll probably kill me or something, just even, it's, I know there's always something that we just hold back. Yeah. Yeah. And we always will. Yeah. Yeah. To understand why Angie traveled to Rome and what the Pope's apology means to her, you need to know some of her story. She was eight years old when she was sent to the St. Joseph's Mission in Fort Resolution, Northwest Territories. Her two sisters also went. Angie remembers being severely punished for talking back, missing prayer time, or even wetting the bed. She also remembered being terrified by what she called the, quote, night invasions that took place in both the girls' and boys' dormitories. Years later, Angie's still trying to make sense of everything that happened there. I felt guilty for so many years, saying, how come? How could we not see it? We were so innocent, too. But I will always, every survivor will always carry that guilt not letting the others what happened to what happened to them and when they were missing yeah we didn't they said oh they went home yeah you know we know that at least 4000 indigenous children died at residential schools that's according to the national center for truth and reconciliation some of those children are buried in unmarked graves that are only now being mapped out The system was designed by the government to separate Indigenous children from their families and strip them of their language, their culture, and their identity. Most of the schools were run by the Catholic Church. And I said, why didn't you guys do anything? 
Hmm. You saw us when you were coming in. You saw our, our, you know, broken leg, broken arms, black eyes, hair pulled out. You see, and our, you know, the way they're dressed. And you didn't do nothing. Hmm. You just looked at us and we were just praying like that. But, you know, and they know what they said to us. They said to me, you know what, Angie? Our heart was bleeding. Hmm. But we couldn't do anything because they would have got us to. Well, our Catholic Church was superior. They you're were, ta- you're yeah. talking about power. People in the church or? Our people. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that lived in our town. Right. Yes. Yeah. So many, some of these girls would get pregnant, yeah. 14. Who did that? Priests? Brothers? Who else? Nobody else is there. Angie kept quiet for decades. But that eventually changed, and her story is now part of a collection of stories of Métis survivors that Angie gave to the Pope. It was part of a gift exchange to mark a relationship of reconciliation and healing. My colleague, Willow, spoke with Angie right after the Pope apologized, and you can hear what it meant to her. Oh, today was, oh my God, my heart... I don't know, I haven't got up yet, you know, it's just floating, it's just been, it's, it's, you, you work so hard and pray for everything else, and all of a sudden you get it and you're just like in shock, because over the hard, those past those 65, 70 years, and then, you know, hardship, and all of a sudden, you come out in one, in one major way with that pole, with our pole, and just like everything, everything lifted right off my hand and shoulders and everything. It just felt like light as a feather. Hmm. And I love you, is what I said right here. You know, he just looked at us, square right in your face. You're just it's comfortable. He yeah. felt so... Gee, I thought it was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, were you? Oh, in my the room dad just laundry? smiling up there. <laughs> so I just—I mean—I could see how happy you are. I am. I am. Just. And I imagine that will probably stay with you for a uh, while. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> Rest of my life. <laughs> and by the time I teach all my. My little, my little great, great grandchildren, my grandchildren, my, and my, the rest of my family. So I think about seventy-nine or something. Well, but they will know that story inside out. Mm-hmm. The Pope's apology came with a promise to visit Canada this year and hear from more Indigenous people, and he may apologize again on that trip. His words last week didn't come with any promise of funding or reparations, though, which some survivors and their families are calling for. Angie knows all of that, but she said that this was still an important moment. 
Can you explain your response, your reaction that moment of seeing that apology first? I didn't even know. I was crying. I was happy. <laughs> I was happy. I would just, I heard it. I heard it. Say it again. Say it again. I would just, oh, and like I was vibrating. My whole heart was, my poor, I thought I might have a heart attack. <laughs> but that love for him is too strong. I still got a few years to do. <laughs> <laughs> you can still have a few years. Yeah. What are, so what are you going to do in the next few years? What, what's what's oh, next for you? Reconciliation now, don't yeah, forget. Of course. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. And we started already with our uh, with our people mm-hmm. and with the mayor, our mm-hmm. MLAs, our and we work everybody. You know, and we're always remembering our children. I was one of them. And I, and I know how I feel. And not to be, not to even know their identity, not to know if they were loved, didn't know if they had a hug, or, you know, it's heartbreaking. And these children, they should have at least a name. Mm. They changed lots of names, too. And I don't know, I'll never ever, I'll find all of them. Mm. Yeah, no, we, we, reality is. We will find some, though. We will find some. And to just think, in all those years, and I was there, and my two little sisters, to, you know, to, these these things just don't go away, you know. Oh, I just got out of the convent, all done now, you know. Oh, life is, oh, roses. It's worse. But when you come in, you don't know a soul. You lost everything. And you lost your language. But most of all, a lot of these people just took advantage of us. And, you know, but we can't let them win. Almost a year ago, to Kamloops to Shwetmik First Nation in B.C., and then Kawases First Nation in Saskatchewan said they discovered hundreds of unmarked graves near residential schools. It began a cascade of similar announcements from other nations. At least 20 communities have since begun ground-penetrating radar work. And, of course, finding where these children might be buried is only the beginning of identifying them and either marking or moving their graves. A <sighs> hundred and fifty years. Now we're so now we're finally we're finally getting something. What I'm not worried about forgiveness, whatever. Hmm. But just take our kids home. Hmm. Take those kids home. Can I offer you some tobacco? Oh. Thank you so much for Thank your Thank you, my dear. And, Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Safe journey home. And you take care of yourself, too. The National Indian Residential Schools Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day if you need support. The number is 1-866-925-4419. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. 
Thank you to Willow Fiddler for sharing her interview with Angie Creer. The fiddling you heard was also recorded by Willow at the Métis Delegation Procession at the Vatican. The musicians are Alex Custerrock and Brianna Lizot. You can read more of Willow's work at theglobeandmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.